say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking face the Grace Davis and goes He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey everybody, welcome in on this Wednesday. This is how you get through the week. You started on Wednesday. Life hack. Don't do anything Monday and Tuesday. Start the week on Wednesday. It's almost over already. Here we are. Fast forward to the weekend. And we'll be there. Glad to be with you here this afternoon. Got lots to do today. Giants. The Giants are still playing football, folks. You'll hear them on these very airwaves on Saturday evening. We will talk about the Giants with the athletic beat reporter for the Giants, Charlotte Carroll, coming up at uh, 3, 3.40-ish. 3.40. End of the show today for Charlotte. Uh, and we're going to find out what she's been doing this afternoon. Uh, Giants uh, locker room access open to reporters today at uh, 2.45 or so. So Charlotte will be just uh, wrapping that up when we talk to her. So I don't even know what we're going to talk to her about. She'll have learned something new and exciting. And we'll be the first to hear what new and exciting things she has learned uh, coming up toward the end of the program. That is the end of the show today. We are hopeful to be joined by Red Autry today at uh, 2.30. They're, they got a you know a little coaches meeting. They're meeting and discussing and planning and whatnot. So uh, uh, should that be uh, concluded, we will be joined by Red then. Lots to talk about that. They've played three games since we last talked to Red. Uh, that's a lot of games to have played. We, we only talked nine days ago. They've, they've crammed it in this week with all the games, with the uh, win against Wake Forest. Does that does that feel like it was 9,000 years ago? That was a week ago tonight. And they had the uh, win against Notre Dame. And uh, then the tough one on uh, Monday against uh, Miami, down in uh, Miami. But that's the one that, that, that kind of got away there with the 11-point lead evaporating in uh, the second half. And perhaps I should have known that the lead was going to evaporate on the orange in the second half. I, I believe this is what's called a, a bad omen. So, you know, it was not feeling great on a Monday. If uh, feeling like you have a bowling ball in your stomach that's like vibrating and rapidly expanding is is not feeling great. So shoot old Polly a text. Hey, Polly, can you do the uh, the post-game show for me? Because Polly was not down in Miami and Polly could. So, okay, that's one thing uh, taken care of. Did not alleviate the... Uh, the uh, stomach situation going on. So, you know, watching the game on on Monday night in something resembling the fetal position, but you know, with my head pointed at the at the television when the arch go up eleven, and that's when the bowling ball decided it it needed to get on out. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'd say um, a a good sign that Syracuse was going to collapse in the game on Monday. Or a bad sign, I guess, depending on how you want to view it. My sign that Syracuse was going to collapse in the game on on Monday, it it was the projectile vomiting. That was the sign that Syracuse was going to collapse. Me first, team to follow. Me first, team to follow. Now, usually I feel it goes the other way. Like, if you're a, a sports fan that's, like, way too invested in it, like your team collapses and then you have the reaction, no, no, no. I went the other way. I had foresight 
and uh, got it out. And uh, the Orange, uh, boy, did they follow down the stretch uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, the officiating was, uh, it was present for sure during the game. And, you know, Judah didn't deliver on the last play, nor did he deliver at any point all night, but uh, did not deliver on, you know, not technically the last play, but the last meaningful play of the game as Miami made all their free throws down the stretch and eliminated any uh, reasonable ability for a comeback after that. But uh, yeah, we, we got that two days in the rear view. We're doing, uh, we're doing much better today. Uh, things, things just not great on, on Monday and uh, any, any potential situation, but uh, back in the saddle and uh, ready to roll for the week, which does bring us to the game on Monday. What what happened down the stretch? Because or at the start, I mean, we've talked about the starts ad nauseum so far. The Orange, like if I started the show and the Orange seemed to start these games, I'd show up in segment two. So maybe I could do that. We could just sit here in silence for a few minutes before we before we get back to it. It's another slow start. What was it? Eleven to two, nine to two before Syracuse kind of locked in. But you know, the, the Orange have been able to to rebound from those for the most part. You, you don't want to do it, but you know. That's a fair fight. You build the a 10-point lead, then you get it up to 11 in the second half. Syracuse was playing very, very well during the game. JG3, he was doing a lot of stuff. Like His outside shot wasn't going, though the one he did hit was a huge one. His outside shot wasn't going, but man, he was he was somehow out-physicaling Miami. Is that a word? He was bodying them up. He, he was bodying up guys smaller than him and, and going to work on them. Inside, like in ways that didn't make a whole ton of sense. Like, why why is this working? But it was. And then playing off it was Jesse Edwards. He met a little, you know, slip screen alley-oops in the game and all that stuff. Career had 25 in the game uh, for Jesse. Uh, he was great. So uh, those two had it going. And I think now, at this point of the season, what we've found, and this has not changed win or lose of late, we are pretty well locked into the hierarchy of what this team is offensively. It's been evolving all season, but it has now kind of landed, I think, in where it's going to be. Joe is option one. And then Jesse and Judah are, you know, 2A and 2B in whichever way you want to put it. So... You had all of those things uh, going on in the game, and then it comes down to Judah at, at the end. And yes, he was playing a terrible game. Uh, no, he should not have been out of the game. Like, come on. Should he have had the ball in the last play? You know, obviously, I think the way the game was going, it, w- it would have been more ideal if Gerard got the ball in his hands. Uh, you know, you know who also knew that? I'll tell you who also knew that. The guy that kind of looks like uh, Jim Beheim, the other guy named Jim, Jim Larinaga, also knew they wanted to get the ball uh, to Joe. So he was very covered. I, I honestly thought when, when Judah got the ball first, as we were back watching the game by that point, when when Judah got the ball first, I thought he had some room. I thought it, like his first move was going to work, but you know whichever defender was on him and forgetting which Miami guy was directly in his way, got his shot off his path, and you know Judah tried to do too much, double-team game, and the ball came in. I, I don't hate the guy for trying to go and make it work and win the game. Like, he's already done that this year. Like, he's already hit a game-winning shot in a quasi-similar situation against 
Notre Dame earlier this year. Like, he's already done it. So, and I get he wasn't having a good game. He wasn't really having a great offensive game in the Notre Dame game either, and yet he had the game-winning shot. So we don't remember the first 39 and a half minutes because they don't matter anymore, do they? Now, this past Monday, unfortunately, you know, the shot didn't go in or even get taken. And, you know, could they call it a foul? They could have. Should they? You know, out of, my, out of I think, all of our list of officiating gripes in the, the game on Monday, uh, that not being called a foul was not, you know, number one on the list. That's, you know, that's a call maybe somebody gets, but it's not an auto call at that point of the game. But, like, do I mind Judah saying, yeah, I'm going to go take this shot? Absolutely not. E- even though he stunk the whole game. At least for him, three points, season low. Couldn't get couldn't get anything going on offense. Had six assists, five turnovers. Like Miami pressured him, pressured him hard the whole game. And it worked. Full credit to them. They had a great game plan against him, and it worked. And still, you know, do you want him with the ball in his hands late in the game? I'd say I would have preferred Gerard just the way he had been playing on Monday night. But Miami refused to allow that to happen. And you know, that happens sometimes. It ended up in a situation that's not exactly what you wanted. But I'd say more often than not, in a situation like that, not option one at that time, got the ball, but you say, okay, the thing we tried to do didn't happen. We got to go make something happen. Who on this team do you want to go make something happen by himself? He's the guy. He's the guy. Didn't happen on Monday. But should the situation arise again on Saturday, the Orange are in Atlanta to take on Georgia Tech noon on Saturday. Should the same very exact situation come up on Saturday, it again will not be crazy for Judah to have the ball in his hands at that point of the game. With the hope being that he has learned something about what happened the other day, that you know, maybe if idea one doesn't work, he had some fancy dribbling going on. He had something happen in there. Like, he had a chance to beat his guy in that play. And he didn't. The guy deed him up great, then the double team got there. Like, you got to learn when when the road ends and you got to pass to somebody else because there was still, you know, in the scheme of the end of the game, there was plenty of time left. There was, what, 12 seconds, 10 seconds, something like that left. There was time for another pass and another whatever to... Reignite, reignite the possession and the whole thing. But yeah, tough night for Judah. But he said way more productive nights so far this season um, than tough ones. So, like, you got to ride with it. You got to ride with it. It's not always going to work. You would have preferred the win. Would have been Syracuse's biggest win of the season. Uh, without question, should they have pulled it off? Should it have come down to that situation? Should it an 11-point lead have vanished? Yeah, that's that's more the issue uh, than the last play of the game. Like, you get down to a last play of the game, anything can happen. Anything can happen in a play like that. The chunking away at 11-point lead on the road with 15 minutes left, that, I'd say, is more the issue uh, than anything that happened down the stretch on a one-play situation. Say, why did the Orange lose the game? Was it the last play or was it the 10 minutes before that? No, it was the 10 minutes before that. Yeah, Miami made some big shots. Nigel Pack was making threes from 
Uh, I think it was in the arena. I believe he technically was on the court. I believe. Not entirely certain. That said, I look at his last week of Syracuse basketball as a whole. When you take Wake, or pardon me, not Wake, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, and Miami as a package. I think he called a successful week. Obviously, 3-0 would have been better. But more importantly, like the Orange are playing much, much better now. Much better. Like Syracuse of a month and a half ago would have gone down to Miami and gotten creamed. Creamed. They wouldn't have even been in position to blow the game. So you look at that, and the main issue at this point, now you're trying to think about it. I think we're all thinking about it in the grand scheme of can Syracuse make the tournament. Obviously, a win against Miami on the road is a necessary ingredient at some point to be able to make the tournament. Uh, Things that might not have been as necessary, if not for earlier in the season, yada, 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 yada. Colgate, Bryant, we get it, the whole thing. But uh, the Orange are playing significantly better basketball now, so that's a good sign. And the fact that they are should put them in more positions to win games like that going forward. At least that is the hope, to be able to get some of those wins. Now, will the ACC numerically provide the chances to win games like that that you need? I don't know. But you just like that they're also playing, you know, eye test, I test says basketball look better now than before. I test before says ah. I test now. Mmm. And I think that's where we're at. It's looking a lot better. And we we've settled. We had this conversation before the season. Okay, what's the hierarchy of the players? Who's the best player on the team? Well, I think on offense right now the hierarchy is established. Gerard is one. Line two is Mince and Jesse, and then it sorts out from there. You also need more from the out from there. We had a lot more Benny Williams than we've seen. How how it came to that, we'll we'll try to sort through. But that's you know that's my thoughts from uh, Monday night. I would have preferred the loss a, a, a lot more had it not been accompanied by a twenty four hour bug. Uh, yeah, I would have uh, gladly taken that. Then I could have joined you all on the post game show. We could have complained about it on Monday night, as I'm sure uh, you all did with with Paulie and Devo. Devo and I will be uh, back in the saddle on Saturday at two ish. And uh, this will be one, like if the Orange lose on Saturday, now it's a road ACC game, you can lose any of these. But if the Orange lose on Saturday, this is more of an alarm bell situation than what happened on Monday. Miami, very good. Georgia Tech, eh, not. Georgia Tech beat Miami, and thus is the league this year. But uh, put the teams side by side, Georgia Tech is mm, under 500 right now. Not good. How much more leash does Josh Pastor have left down there? I don't know at a school that just also replaced their football coach and athletic director, mind you. So where's the leash on Passner right now? Where are they at? You know what they're not having at Georgia Tech? Talks about the tournament. They're not having talks about anything at the moment. Uh, But with that, that's where we're at. We'll be uh, back breaking it down on uh, Saturday after the game. Noon tip from the Camish Pavilion. And we'll be here with the post-game show, me and Devo, after the game at 2 o'clock. With that, we'll take a break. Hoping to be joined by Red Autry at 2.30. Schedule allowing. 
We'll keep our eyes peeled for a red. We'll be joined by Charlotte Carroll, Giants beat reporter for The Athletic, coming up at 3.40. And uh, yet, it appears, reportedly, reports have emerged. Not official reports, though. Multiple reports are indicating that the Orange have lost yet another football assistant coach from yet another important recruiting area. We will fret about that as the show continues as well. Happy thoughts, though, about the Giants uh, when we come back. You know the players like? They love their head coach. What their head coach is good at? Winning football games. We'll talk about that when we come back. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. It's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Let it be. This is kind of like my Monday, Wednesday, getting the week started, right? Putting in a hard three days this week. Really grinding on it. Lots to do in three days. When you got to cram it a whole week into three days, it really fills up the hours, huh? Recapping the, the Syracuse basketball week. Looking ahead to Saturday, Cuse in Hot Atlanta to take on G Tech. Georgia Tech people get annoyed if you call it G Tech. Like Virginia Tech people lose their mind if you call their school Vatech. Like they specifically write it out. Don't call us Vatech. We don't like it. It's a no-no. Which makes you call them Vatech even more. Or the uh, Virginia Institute of Technology. Or the Georgia Institute of Technology if you want to get formal with it. But uh, we'll get ready for Cuse and Georgia Tech later on this week. Don't have any tickets to give away. I don't have access to Atlanta tickets to to give away this week. We'll get back to that uh, next week when the Orange are back at home. Big A with North Carolina coming up on Tuesday in the Dome. That's a 9 o'clock or so. Looking forward to that in Q-Soups. And all of the football teams we mostly spend our time talking about are still playing football, which is good news. The Giants are in. They take on Saturday night the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial Field. Looking forward to that game. We'll talk to Charlotte Carroll, beat reporter for the Giants for the Athletic, coming up at eh, about 3.40, pumping her back toward the end of the show today. She needs to talk to the Giants first, and then we can talk to her and ask her what she talked about with the Giants. So we're going to uh, do that. But right now, instead of that, we're going to just hear from one of the Giants. It's time to spin the wheel. Let's spin the random wheel. Right now, we're going to hear from Giants safety Xavier McKinney speaking on his head coach, one Brian Dable. I think he's done a great job from, you know, since he came in of just basically just shifting the whole energy of the building. Uh, I think we all realized it once he came in, once we had our first team meeting. We felt his presence uh, the first day he came in. Uh, we felt his energy. So we just wanted to build off of that. You know, he always made sure to push us. Uh, he continued to push us no matter, you know, no matter the day, you know, but he also, uh, you know, just looked out for us whenever he can, whenever he could. And, you know, we always say he's a player's coach. Uh, he's very just transparent. You could talk to him about anything. And, uh, you know, you could just have those conversations with him. Uh, so it's just been great to, to have him here. It's amazing, you know, how, how long time moves and what it is. It's 11 years ago since the Giants last won a playoff game and AKA last won the Super Bowl before this last week. And uh, who was their head coach then in the, the previous Super Bowl? One Tom Coughlin. So uh, it's 2.55 right now. Tom Coughlin thinks it's 2.30. You, you set the to- Coughlin time. It's five minutes ahead. Get there early. Very You know, the militaristic vibe. This, that, and the whole thing. 
And obviously, Tom, extremely successful coach as a head coach. Boston College, Jacksonville, the Giants. Obviously played here, was an assistant here as well. But the times have changed. Like Michael Strand, I mean, jokes about it all the time. Like, you know, they, they kind of all took Tom's militaristic thing with a, a grain of salt a little bit, especially, you know, veteran like Strahan that had been there forever. But it's a new day in time, and Dayball seems to be blending, at least a year in, the idea of being a player's coach. And we got a peek in the locker room after that opening win in Tennessee way, way back at the beginning of September and all of that. But the idea seems to be blending between the, the idea of a player's coach and... You know, taking care of all that. But, man, Dayball is as buttoned up on, on the little things and innovation and creating a game plan and sticking to it. Like, they are very specific with what they want to do. Last game, obviously, they thought they could run the ball with Daniel Jones, and he ran it 17 times. They don't do that every game. But he picks the game plan and goes with it. Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator, he is usually blitzing your butt off. They are, they are putting their guys in man, and they are coming. This last game, he played a lot of zone and didn't blitz as much, but they stuck to it to the very end because it worked. They didn't stray from what their thought was from the game. So uh, cool to see you know, a guy like Xavier McKinney is liking the situation he is in. And it's really working out well for the Giants. And do they get a chance this week? Touchdown dogs against the Eagles. Played them close in the game that didn't matter. <laughs> they weren't playing their starters. Got absolutely thumped a month earlier than that. At MetLife, we'll see. But the Giants are one of eight remaining teams in the playoffs. And if you had guessed that preseason, man, you to line your pockets on that one. Because I don't think a lot of people would have made that thought really based on anything in reality if we had talked about that in August. So the Giants got a good one in Dayball. And we'll see how it goes this week against the Eagles. Looking forward to talking to Charlotte Carroll coming up at the end of the show about the Giants getting ready uh, for that game. With that, we'll take a break. Fingers crossed we'll be joined by uh, Red Autry next. No, he's got a, a meeting going on, so if that is concluded, uh, we'll be joined by Red uh, when we come back. I believe we will indeed be joined by uh, Red when we uh, come back. So uh, looking forward to that. We'll chat with him right after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. WTLA North Syracuse, WSGO Oswego, W249BC Mattydale, W261AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. Can we review our status here, Sire? Let's look at this thing from a uh, from a uh, standpoint of status. Can't go backwards. Can't go forward. What am I gonna do? Hey, what happened? You have nothing better to do at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Lisa, if you don't like your job, you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. This is a great day. A really great day. All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Halfway home, here's what's happened so far. All right, what have we done so far? We've talked about the basketball game on uh, Monday night, two nights ago. Judah, panic! Ah! Next game, maybe it goes in. Or not, we'll see. But I think we figured out the true hierarchy of this orange basketball team that is uh, Gerard in the top chair, followed by Edwards and Mintz, followed by others, depending on the day. We talked to Red Autry 
about all of that stuff. And I uh, learned that uh, the outcome of Saturday's game is going to determine uh, Red's enjoyment uh, of the uh, rest of the weekend. So we'll see how that goes on uh, Saturday. But uh, that uh, Pat Pat was trying to call in, he says in the chat. Pat, call back. We'll, we'll attempt to answer you if you'd like to get in here. We can have time for you. Until that, uh, we, we want to talk a little orange football because th- there's more, you know, again, we talked about this last week when Nick Monroe uh, left. Is it is it incredibly bad news when an assistant coach leaves? And in theory, leads to a better gig like uh, Nick did in Minnesota, you know, with a title and a raise and the whole deal. Like on the face of it, no. But now this is uh, reported today by Pete Thamel and multiple others that are in the uh, news of reporting uh, college football transactions. I guess this is not final yet, but they all seem to be expecting uh, Chip West, who is a Syracuse quarterbacks coach, to be moving from the Orange to Wake Forest. Which, again, one assistant coach, moving football teams, so be it. Doesn't really matter. Whatever. Happens all the time, happens every year. Assistant coaches, you know, we talk about head coaches' contracts. They're for years and years and years with buyouts and buyouts and buyouts. That's not really the case for assistant coaches. Setting aside the coordinators, like the other assistants, their contracts are usually like two-year contracts. Like, they come, they go. That's kind of what happens. And we don't really worry that much about it. But now in this offseason, assuming this news is to be true, the Orange will have lost their offensive coordinator, their defensive coordinator, their lead recruiter in the state of Florida, and, uh, uh, might I add, they are now losing their lead recruiter in the DMV. What's the DMV, you might ask? It is uh, not the place where you get your driver's license. It's D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. And especially in the ACC, and especially for a team in the north in the ACC, like Syracuse, it is some of your more direct access into the southern-ish football recruiting realm. O.C., D.C., Florida recruiter, Beltway recruiter in that general area. DMV recruiter. Richmond, Newport News. Baltimore. You know who's from Baltimore? Sean Tucker. Marlo Wax. Jihad Carter's from Virginia. Kind of an important area. Kind of an important area. Now, the Orange have lost their lead recruiter there. Like the Chip was Chip West responsible for all of those guys was uh, the Swag Daddy Nick Monroe responsible for literally everybody in Florida by themselves? Can it uh, can it not be replaced? No, it's not that. But now you're 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 losing like really specifically important stuff that you need if you are to fill out an ACC coaching roster, and you're doing it now. It's the middle of January. It's getting late-ish in the game here. Like there's all of these losses, and. Rocky Long is the only one that's been announced new to the staff. You got jobs open. You got signing days coming up, the transfer portal to be tended to, and uh, you're you're lacking the staff at the moment. And it's just very perplexing what's going on. And you look at where these people have gone. Chip West to Wake Forest. Dave Clawson is about as secure in his job. Like, Dave Clawson can stay at Wake as long as he damn pleases. Like, that... 
that's going to be open. Like, he's going to be there for life if he feels like it. You look at what's going on in Minnesota. Like, there's contracts to row the boat out until the next century. Like, there's a lot of security. We believe Dino's got two years left. I never thought it would be a good idea to extend Dino off of this season. Never thought that would be a good idea to extend Dino off of this season. Maybe I was wrong. Or maybe there was no good answer is really the point. Because you look at that. Did you want to extend him off one season after all of this? I don't know. But now you look at everything that's lost. Are the assistant coaches not feeling the security of staying here? Not that there ever really is a lot of security in college football coaching. But we've reached the point of uh, fires, alarms, all of it. Five alarm fire? I don't know. It's more than one right now. It is uh, certainly more than one, but uh, let's get to the phone lines. Somehow I don't feel, feel uh, Pat is calling in to uh, discuss Orange Football Assistant Coaches. Pat, that's not really your game, but uh, uh, welcome in. If you'd like to chime in on Orange Football Assistant Coaches, that's fine, but uh, I'd imagine you're calling in about hoops. Honestly, um, the basketball program is such a mess, I don't even want to even think about the football program because <laughs> it's it's unfortunately not any better. Um, listen, as it stands right now, the, the product that Syracuse is putting on the floor is probably a good enough team and talent and um, options to make a tournament, to be a tournament team, but they're not making the tournament. And, and, right. and people, people that follow the sport and you know understand exactly what that is, their, their resume is atrocious. I mean, and their opponents have done them, no, have done them absolutely no favors, and that's why you've got to take care of your own business. And early in the season when we were dissecting some of the um, situations, it it, it all comes down to one thing. If players aren't performing, fans of any team of any sort are going to look for either A, the reasons why, or B, what other options are there. So, you know, Jim and him putting on his little boundaries about, you know, you're not at practice or you're not at the game or blah, blah, blah. It's just his own insecurities. And, and And that's really what it is. And I'm sick and tired of his own insecurities, especially with uh, polite people like Mike Waters and Donna DeTota, who ask legitimate questions that deserve legitimate answers, and it's what their job is to do. And if Jim can accept that as their job and he do his job and just answer the damn question, you know, we wouldn't be as frustrated. Uh, I, I, I shouldn't say we. I wouldn't be as frustrated as I am with, with the nonsense. You know, he talks about nonsense throughout the years with speculation on, who should play, who shouldn't play. Um, you know what? If you're getting the job done on the floor, then you're not going to have these problems. But when you're not doing your job in recruiting and you're not doing your job in rotating your players and developing a team throughout the year in terms of, look, Paulie made a stupid argument, okay, with, with myself and with Vito, who also called. Nobody is arguing that, and I think this is what you were alluding to as well. Um, no one is saying that Sainir Torrance is a better player or prospect than Judah Mint. No one's saying that. But that doesn't mean it's a clear-cut, obvious choice. And, you know, I hate when I agree with Brent because I just want to drive off a bridge when that happens. But, um, but you know, it is a good argument to, to have and, and healthy sports talk radio and a healthy discussion on if Judah should have been in the game. And you know what? Let's even pretend that he should have been in the game. Fine. But should he have been in the game as many minutes as he was coming off of Saturday, Monday? I mean, he needed to come out later in that game. You, you could see the mental anguish on his face. You could see the frustration. Like, 
in any job. Sometimes you just need a break. And my argument for, for years has been, you know, like even with Buddy Beheim, okay, you want Buddy Beheim fresh at the end of the game. So he's going to, you know, be a 90% free throw shooter and not down to a 75 because he's tired and be a 44% three point shooter and not a 30% three point shooter because he's tired. And then when he doesn't have options, right, Brian, when he doesn't have options, he says they don't get tired. Remember when, when we literally had six scholarships yeah. worth anything? He, he's, he, he's, he's stuck by that, that one for years. Yep. But, but then he treated and, and said, Oh, we can't press cause we are, we, we're tired. We can't, we can't do this because we're tired, you know. So he talks out of both sides of his mouth. And, you know, it just the more you keep track, you know, stuff. I mean, he, he just simply says stuff. And you know what? Paulie can defend him and say, oh, of course he, uh, you know, of course he's going to say we're a tournament team. No. In, in, in years past, he has not come out and just blatantly said this is a tournament team. Okay? He, there's uh, plenty of other options. To answer the question, he could say, we have the potential to be a tournament team. We need to do X, Y, and Z, and it's a work in progress. Well, Pat, let me let, gonna give him any, let me yeah. let me let me ask you this, Pat. I mean, specifically, I think it's two different things. I mean, we saw Slimeer in there. What he was in there from like eight minutes to go to four. I don't know what it was, something like that. And you know, gave, gave Judah a blow. I think that's one thing you give him a blow during the game. But like, I, I get it. Judah did not have a great game. Did you really want Slimeer in on the last play well, instead of Judah? Here's the deal. Okay. I think all throughout the year, Thymere, um, I I thought he'd be getting more minutes. I, I mean, Judah has performed. His stats speak for themselves. But you got to understand, he's opportunity that are going to be good. You give other players that same opportunity, I'm not going to say they're going to perform at the same level as Judah, but their stats are going to be inflated for sure. Duda is a is an immense talent. You know the uh, two games I sat courtside, I could see it, but I could also see him constantly dribble with his head down, him not process the play, him not see the whole floor. You know the list goes on and on and on. Duda is in the wrong system. He should have never came to Syracuse. He 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 should have never came here because we don't push the ball. And sometimes I don't even understand why Beheim has to tell him to push the ball. Like he's a dynamic full court player. He's not fantastic in the half court, and he's really not fantastic in in half court when when Jesse's already down there, and you know got uh, Benny or Malik also down there. You know the lane's crowded, and it, and it, it it's kind of a mess. This this team is a work in progress. I I appreciate the efforts that every player and and that that the coaches are making to try to get it right, but. As a diehard Syracuse fan, extremely frustrated. Extremely frustrated because if you lose that game and you took care of business like you should, then you know what? It's a loss on the road to a good Miami team. You you, you move on. That game cannot be replaced. You cannot replace that game. I mean, you're going to have to go ahead and beat Duke or Carolina or you know Clemson, and even those might not be enough to get it done. You had to have that game to to get on the right side of things, and you can't replace it. And uh, it's, it's just a shame because, it, Brian, I'll leave you with this. If you were to look at the last 20 really close games, our record is below 500 in winning those close games where the balance is in, you know, question in the last three to four minutes. And, you know, some of that's players and some of it's coaching. And I just wish he'd take responsibility for that. And I also wish he'd take responsibility for treating professionals. I mean, how would Jim Beheim like it if – 
if that wasn't Donna Gatota, but it was his daughter getting spoke to that way. I mean, he should be ashamed of himself. That's all I got. All right, Pat. And, uh, hey, if anybody wants to ask Jim Beheim that, we do have uh, a lovely weekly call-in show, and you can ask him anything on uh, QSportsTalk.com every Thursday at 8.30 in the evening. That, folks, is a tease. That is a uh, a tease. You know, I agree with some of Pat's saying, but I say anyone that doesn't think Judas should have been on the court for, like, the last play, the one where he turned the ball over, I think that's nuts. Um, Should he have been off the court for more during the game because he wasn't playing well during that game? I'm willing to accept that argument. Last play of the game, though, I want that dude on the floor because he has shown us already this year that he can make that play. And I want somebody on the court that knows, that knows absolutely that he can make the play uh, to win the game. Like, he's a guy on this team that I trust with that responsibility. Didn't work this week, but he's still a guy that I trust with it. That's also right. This loss is is worse because of the beginning of the season. In a vacuum, it's kind of, wow, tough loss against a really good team on the road. In the grand scheme of things, yeah, the orange November may hold them back when we get to March, but that is a, a bridge to cross another day. The bridge we cross when we come back is the 4-1-1 in the 3-1-5 with fine producer Matt. Not dumb at all is Matt. He'll be in to join us after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.